Welcome to Back from the Brink. I'm Todd Brinker. This is uh, Tuesday, November 17th at 7.02 on the Pacific Coast. Aaron will be joining us shortly. If you're coming to us from the radio show, you will note that Sinbad has had a stroke. The comedian Sinbad. Uh, he was a former Air Force boom operator on a KC-135 Stratotanker. He's the guy who would fly the boom basically onto the nose of an airplane to refuel while they were in air. So he worked on one of the in-air refueling tanking tanker planes. Um, delicate operation, that is. So um, we hope that he gets well and thank him for his service. Uh, he is 64 years old. And, uh, yeah, you know, he uh, brought a lot of laughs to a lot of people, and you just hope that uh, – Hope that he hangs in there. Hope that he uh, is uh, going to be healthy and full re full recovery. He uh, uh, has done a variety of things over the years. Had his own TV show on Fox for a while, um, and uh, been in a couple different movies. So, um, yeah, you just you know, by all accounts, seems like a good guy. You hope he does well and and is and is back home to his family soon. Uh, especially hope that he's able to recuperate enough to get out of the hospital because they seem to be uh, hotbeds for uh, COVID as well as other illnesses, and you just would rather be recuperating at home with your loved ones if you can. And so hopefully he'll be well enough to be able to do that and and get back to his normal self. You know, at 64, he has not been doing a whole lot of work, at least not on the national level, but he might be doing he might be still touring around and going to comedy uh, uh, clubs and stuff. As far as I know, I don't know what his what his life uh, you know daily routine is these days. Hard to say. There aren't really any comedy clubs going on right now, so who knows? Who knows? Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. By all accounts, a funny guy, very high energy comedian, and uh, you know he's not like Robin Williams high energy. So like on a scale of Robin Williams down to Stephen Wright, you know. Uh, he's probably, you know, like uh, an eight out of that. You know, if Williams is a 10 and Stephen Wright is a minus one, then, you know, I'd, I'd put uh, Sinbad at an eight. He's fairly high energy. And uh, so anyway, we wish him well. Hope he's doing okay. And we'll move on. Um, so in California, basically every state's purple. And for those of you who don't live in California, that means that we are in widespread uh, widespread COVID and the strictest lockdowns. There's a few counties that are not. There's only two counties that are in minimal. Uh, that's yellow colored minimal. That would be uh, Alpine County and uh, Mariposa County are still yellow, uh, which means that they have the, the least number of percentage. I guess what they do is it's a calculation of the percentage of, of positive cases per population. And so you keep the, the ratio low enough and uh, you stay in yellow unless things are locked down. Oh, my. Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, a lot less lockdowns, you know. Um, they go from yellow, which is minimal, to orange, which is moderate. And that would be like Eno County and Calaveras County. Yes, that Calaveras County. Uh, Sierra County and Lassen County are the four orange counties. And uh, so a little bit more strict than the minimal counties, but not as strict as the next level, which is red, the substantial counties. And that would be Mono County, uh, Amador County, Plumas, 
uh, Modoc, El Norte, Del Norte, Humboldt, uh, Marin, San Francisco, San Mateo, Calusa, and Lake counties. Those are all the red counties. Everybody else is purple, which is widespread, meaning that that COVID is running wild and they're, everything's locking down or supposedly locking down. Um, it remains to be seen if uh, they're going to, you know, like I think at the red level, they were allowing restaurants to open with 25% capacity and outdoor seating or things like that. And if you, if you went to the orange level, then you could bring up to 25% of people indoors. Uh, but now they're uh, back at purple virtually everywhere. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, and how well they will do it. Right now, the minimal means um, less than one case, one daily new case per 100,000. Uh, moderate, the orange, is one to 3.9 daily new cases. Substantial is four to seven new cases, and um, wide, widespread is more than seven. Um, and it also has to do with positivity rates. Uh, you know, less than 2% positive tests is minimal, whereas more than 8% is, is widespread. Um, which is interesting use of terminology because 8% of the population, I don't think that would be widespread for anything. It wouldn't win you anything in an election. 8% might, you know, be enough to, to sway an election one way or the other, but it's not like 8% of the population is not a huge number. Um, but you figure that's 8% of the population that's actually getting tested in a seven-day range, right? So um, how many people of the population go get tested? It's probably, uh, they're talking about 8%, and then the number of people actually getting tested is probably not more than 8%. I can't imagine that in a given week that anybody, you know, more than a few percentage points of the people actually even go get tested. So it's all sampling. It's all small stuff. So anyhow, we'll see how it all breaks out. So Wolfgang von Van Halen has uh, released a solo song, which is a tribute to his dad. Apparently he had written it um, in preparation for an album he was going to release in 2018, but he decided not to uh, release it because he wasn't going to tour behind it and do any support of it yet. How are you? So I was just talking about the fact that Wolfgang Van Halen just released a solo song called Distance, uh, and it's a tribute to his father. It was written while his father was battling cancer, and it was basically him imagining what life would be like without him and how he would miss him terribly. Uh, apparently he has a full solo album that's been ready to go for a couple years, but he decided not to release it because he didn't want to go out and tour behind it while his dad was dying of cancer. He wanted to spend as much time with him as he could. And, uh, and so now he's looking at doing some sort of a release. Of course, now he can't go out and tour behind it anyway, so. Wow. Yeah. Have you, have you listened to it? Is it good? I have not listened to it yet, but I will send you a link so that you can listen to the video, uh, you know, at your leisure. But, uh, yeah, I'll listen to it. Maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow uh, if we have a chance to listen to it and see what it sounds like and see what he sounds like. And, well, maybe we you can know. play it on the radio show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We don't have a um, uh, the license to play music here, so we can't do more than like eight seconds to comment on something. You know, if we're going to comment on the song, we can do an eight seconds editorial clip. But uh, 
but uh, I don't want to have the fine folks from ASCAP and BMI. I guess they're actually the um, the song uh, licensing people. It's not they're not the music li- licensing people, but be the RIAA probably hunting us down, right? The yeah. Rec- Recording Industry of Amer- Association of America. They would be the ones yeah. that come after you for playing for playing li- uh, somebody's music without license to do so. So uh, we'll just avoid. They do, so we can play it and, and, and see what we think. Well, maybe we'll listen to it first. We may listen to it and go like, nope, not happening. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't want to... Public to understand. I mean, unless it's profane, we want the yeah. public to be able to hear it, so... Yeah, otherwise know. it's just going to be like, you know, a beat with bleeps. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, that I don't understand. I, I just don't understand why you would make music so profane, but people do it all the time. Yeah, well, yeah, I remember the Forget You song, that that was the radio version. Yes, <laughs> yes it was. And, and that's the whole song, basically. Forget You, yes. Yeah. Honestly, I think that whole thing was a marketing thing. I think he was a marketing genius. I think that he intended to release it as Forget You. He created the F.U. version very specifically so that he would get recognized for a song that said it so blatantly. Yes. You know, and that somebody would accidentally play the wrong version on the radio or something, which I'm sure happens somewhere at some point, right? That was probably a stunt as well. Yep. I'm cynical. But yeah, it worked. Not that he, you know, he needed it because um, uh, we're talking about CeeLo Green's song. And, you know, he, he was certainly riding a wave of, uh, of popular song when he released that. He hasn't done much in a while, but... Uh, uh, he has a very interesting voice. Uh, it's an interesting falsetto. I enjoy listening to some of his stuff. There's a great episode of uh, Live from Daryl's House with him and um, uh, Daryl Hall from Hall & Oates that's very good. So is, is he a little person? Um, no, but he's not real tall. He's just his, very round. His proportions look like he's a little person. Yeah, he's very round. But he's... Uh, I mean, if I'm if I had to guess, I would say he's probably like five three or something oh, okay okay well lots of people are five three yeah yeah it'd be hard to be male and be five three though yeah and he may be taller than that you know I, i'm guessing uh he's five six according to uh oh. uh the internet so yeah so, he's I, tom cruise height the average height of men in the united states is five eight can you right, look that so up he's and see if that's still true. He he's a smidge on the short side, but uh, he's uh, he's just portly, rotund. Uh, average. <laughs> like we established yesterday, round is a shape. <laughs> average male height USA is ba ba ba. Oh, there's a chart. You got to click on it to get to the chart. Albania, I don't care about Albania. Go to the United States. Got to scroll down to the United okay, States. Yeah. That's the first one. So R S T U. There we are. United States. Uh, okay. Do you want African Americans, Hispanic and Latino Americans, Mexican Americans, Asian Americans, or non-Hispanic whites? Everybody. <laughs> they don't have it all together. But non-Hispanic whites, it's five. Yeah, he uh, African Americans. The average height is five nine. Non-Hispanic whites is nine and a, five nine and a half. Uh, huh. Asian Americans, Mexican Americans, and Hispanic and Latino Americans are all 
between five six and a half and five seven so they're a little oh, bit okay. uh lesser stature but uh you know that's the average size male so interesting what about females yeah. what, what about women oh problems problem average human height by country no 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 it's average uh oh wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute Okay, average human height by country. Human heights. Now, go. was that adult? Hold on, was that table of heights? Oh, okay, great. I have to scroll back down. I had to scroll back up to figure out what it was. There's two. There's a right and a left column. And, of course, the bottom, you can't tell what they are. So, now, oh, here's the overall average. Guess what? I found the overall average. Overall average for Woo! men in the United States is 5'9". For women, it's 5'3 Oh, okay. So, I was off by an inch. Yeah. I thought it was 5'8 for men. Yeah, and for uh, non-Hispanic whites, for women, it's five four and a half. So, and men five nine and a half. So, so five nine, five three and a half. So there you go. So, yeah. So you know, my kids should have it about average because my uh, wife is a smidge below the average, and I'm a smidge above the average. Well, you're so. more than a. Yeah, four and a half inches or so. That's like a lot more than a smidge. Yeah, well, she's three and a half inches below. So again, it kind of works out. You guys watch each other, wash each other out. <laughs> yeah. And if you look at it, our daughters are like five, six, five, seven. So. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So, you know, in countries where people are a lot smaller, but, you know, what, what's interesting to me is the difference in the Koreas. Can you look up both the Koreas? Because... My impression, maybe I'm wrong, my impression is that North Koreans are substantially smaller than South Koreans, even though they're all so, Korean. Right. So North Korean male, 5 foot 5 inches. South Korean male, 5 foot 9 inches. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. Females, North Korean, 5'1". In South Korea, 5'3 and a half. Yeah. Nutrition, nutrition makes a difference. You know, of course, you know, mm-hmm. South Korea is a is a robust modern market economy economy mm-hmm. and North Korea well is probably like, just better nutrition has a lot to do with well, that's that what I, I would mean. guess you know right yeah exactly we're we're on the same page yeah you know that uh urban lithuanians average 510 uh, wow well i know they like basketball in lithuania they're like mad about it mhm well they're the built for it oh wait a minute Bel- belgian 510 and a half huh so as well as Austria. Austria is uh, five ten and a half. Well, Netherlands. 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 Five eleven. Netherlands is five eleven. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week in height. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very we'll be talking about tall things this week. Including Norwegians Norwegians and, uh, yeah, (laughs) Norwegians and Polish people, both five foot ten, you know, and a half. I I have a very good friend who is six foot seven inches tall, and his family is of Dutch stock. He is huge and not, not heavy. He's just, he's just a, uh, big boy, big man. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, I can't yep. imagine what it was like to feed him when he was a teenager. We grow them big out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's um, 
uh, teenage boys, it doesn't seem to matter what height they are. They just seem to be an endless pit of food repository. Yes. Yes. You know, exactly. um, they, you know, it's, you go through that growth stage where it's just, you're always hungry, no matter what you're being fed. It's like, oh, can I have some more? I want more. Is there something else? I, I could eat a meal when I was in high school, get up and walk to the fridge and look for food. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. 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 My whole family was swimmers at that one point in time. I remember when I uh, met my future wife, we went with my brothers and sisters in my VW Beetle. So there was five of us in the car and we went through the drive through at Noggles, which <gasps> Noggles. But um, yeah, you know, it's like everybody, all of them and they're I'm in college. They're, you know, junior high ish. Maybe one of them was in high school. Uh, everybody ordered like a macho combo burrito, a taco or two, some a large fry and a large drink. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, she says, I'll have, you know, a tostada, you know, and she eats half of it. And the rest yeah. of us are like, you know, shoveling in the food. It wasn't like she wasn't an athlete, too. I mean, she was a nationally ranked synchronized swimmer. So, it's, you know, she, she was a high-end athlete. But, yeah, something about the the way my family could eat, you know, so well, we certainly weren't probably self-conscious to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. Yeah. Our first date, she did, she wouldn't eat anything. I ate a meal without her cause I was hungry and she wouldn't eat. And I was like, all right, well, whatever <laughs> I'm going to eat. <laughs> Didn't stop me from eating. Um, but, uh, yeah. So do you yeah, think, do I'm, you think with this, this spike that the NCAA is going to shut down competition in the in January I don't know it will be interesting to see if that plays out um, the the NCAA is a corrupt and vile agency that works very hard to make sure that they make money and they can't make money if they aren't having their free labor out there working hard playing games and um, yeah can you tell I have a little bit of a, a sense of <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. Uh, yes. not that I want to sound, God? yeah, not that I want to sound biased or anything, um, but you know, so they're going to, I think, very much be pressing to keep games going and go kind of like they are now, where they will cancel individual games if specific teams have outbreaks, but they will try to keep going. Um, you know, that can wreak ha- havoc as you get towards the end of the season and you're doing like a playoffs or something where fewer teams are are playing if one of them gets sick and has to drop out you know then i can imagine there'd be a lot of controversy about like well you know who's who's really the champion the best team ended up staying home because you know somebody tested positive so i wonder if then they'll they'll lock it down i mean if everybody can do their classes online you know is it going to be like an nfl situation and how would that yeah work? and where would they go yeah, well, I mean, the NFL's had to postpone quite a few right. games because I of... I the NBA. Of, I said oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, frankly, if I was running a college football team and was hoping to manage, you know, us into playoffs or something, you know, if we had playoff aspirations, I would be doing that. I would say, okay, we're going to take over... You know, I'd be talking to the school and say, we want we want one dorm building. We're going to move everybody into that dorm building, whether they like it or not. If you want to play, you have to be in here. And you only, you know, talk to and deal with these people. You can Zoom meeting with everybody else. You're doing all of your classes online. You just don't interact with anybody who hasn't gone through testing, you know. Which I can imagine a lot of 
players would go, no, thank you. And I'd say, okay, that's fine. You know, we'll still honor your, your scholarship, but, but if you want to play, you've got to do this because this is how we're going to protect everybody. You know, and it's funny because they talk about, they talk about it as if it was such a terrible, hard thing. I remember a lot of pundits saying that the, the, the NBA lockdown was just going to be a complete failure. You can't ask all these, these young men to, to, to not, you know, see anybody or be out and do anybody or see at, be around women or anything for, for months. It just can't happen. And I'm thinking, talk to every guy who's ever signed up for the Navy, Navy or woman who signed up for the Navy. You know, you go out on a boat and you don't see anybody except people on that boat for months at a time, you know, or ship or, or submarine or, you know, insert whatever, uh, you know, or the guys that, you know, have to go over and serve in Afghanistan. You basically all, the only people that you see or, or talk to on a regular basis, face to face, other than Skype and stuff, are the people that are there with you, and you st- and, and especially these days, you've got Skype. It's just it's ridiculous to think that somehow they're incapable of of you know hibernating away for a few months in order to go earn millions of dollars. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they, yeah, I they are so much better paid than our military, who do it all the time. So. Well, and if they don't want to do it, there are there are millions of people who would gladly take their place. As they found out, because they basically allowed um, teams to kind of pack their rosters a little bit. Um, they increased the number of people they were allowed to hold on their rosters going into the lockdown in case somebody got sick so that they could maintain uh, a viable team. And they did that. You know, they did that. And there were notable players. The Lakers had a player who said, you know what? I have a son who has a uh, uh, an illness that makes him a very high risk. I'm not going to do that. And they went, we respect that. You know, so they replaced him on the roster. They said, you know, you helped us get here through a great playing all season. Should we win, we'll give you a ring, which they are going to do. But, you, you know, we understand you're not, you, you don't want to put your family at risk by going into this situation and possibly catching something that you might then bring home later. You know? Yep. I get so, it. I get it. I just read a story, um, or recently read a story, that uh, it kind of blows my mind. A California school district, and this is the Burbank Unified School District, has banned To Kill a Mockingbird, Huckleberry Finn, and Of Mice and, of mice and Men. <laughs> Welcome to beautiful downtown Burbank. Give me a break. They've also um, they've also uh, banned Theodore Taylor's The K and Mildred D. Taylor's Roll of Thunder. Um, that they've been excluded from the district's cu- curriculum, and um, they are the, the district's decision followed four parents alleging that novels cause potential harm to their children. Apparently, they read the novels in class, and some obnoxious little dipstick kid um, you know, use the n-word on another kid and and what said, my family used to own your family, now I want a dollar from each of you for the week. Now, you suspend the horrible little kid, you don't throw the book out. This is, yeah, that's, this is a te- that's a teaching moment. That's not a, a, a like, let's shut everything down because somebody was offended over something. And, and here's the kicker to me. When the principal was noted, notified, the boy's excuse was that he had read it in class. So what? The boy's going to say whatever he can say to get away with whatever he just did. That's not yeah. an excuse. You, you you hold him accountable. You don't chuck those those uh, classic American chuck classic American literature. Yeah. Good yeah. lord. Well, the, the, the kid's ignorant, not stupid. <laughs> There's exactly. a difference. Well, the parents like 
parent said, my daughter was literally traumatized. These books are problematic. You feel helpless because you can't even protect your child from the hurt she's going through. Maybe you're not supposed to check to protect your child from the hurt. And I say this because, you know, I think that that having kids go through difficult situations while they are, they have the bumpers of childhood, meaning your parents mm -hmm. are there to help you through it, teaches them grit. It teaches them, it, it, it helps them develop the ability to manage stressful situations and mm -hmm. to let things roll off their back. That grit is absolutely critical for being successful in life. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think um, we, by by becoming helicopter parents and hovering and protecting and, and, and filtering everything that's going to and from our children, we are doing them a huge disservice and going to make them into incredibly weak-minded people as adults and uh, and I think we've got a fair number of adults floating around right now that are already there because because their parents who thought they were doing a super job parenting because they were there all the time, always there to catch them uh, did a really poor job parenting them because of that Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. Now, there should be stiff consequences for the bullying um, Oh, absolutely you can't behave that way. Um, uh, but you know, you, you, it's a teaching moment. It really is a teaching moment. Um, because you have to understand what happened in our past, not as a bludgeon, but just as understanding what happened. Um, and I want to bludgeon. No, 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 no bludgeon. Bludgeon. Him. No more bludgeon. bludgeon. I just like the word bludgeon. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, a sophomore at Burbank High School, Sung Joo Yoon, uh, created an online petition on change.org. Sung to whom? Sung Joo Yoon is, is the sophomore's <laughs> name. I was just making fun of it. I just said, Sung to whom? No, no. And this, this student is being a good American. In a awesome. Time where, race, where racism has become more transparent than ever, we need to continue to educate students as to the roots of it to create anti-racist students. These literatures, which have been declared books that shaped America by the Library of Congress, won Newbery medals and are some of the most influential pieces, cannot disappear. Way to go, Sun Ju Yoon. Way to go. 50 yes, well spoken. Huh? Well spoken. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, just, I just think that it's a mistake. You cannot hide your children from everything that's that's hard. Life is hard. And the better way, the, the, the sooner you learn to deal with it in constructive ways, the better off you'll be. Right. Well, it, excuse me. And the, the history of blaming literature for bad behavior is, is fraught with, with, you know, troubles. It's just, it's very it problematic. The, 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 that's not a solution to anything. What you're trying to do is saying that, you know, that little bozo here who was bullying people wouldn't have thought of this if if we hadn't allowed him to to read something and ah, so yeah, we're going to we're going to try to control people's thoughts by limiting yeah. their access to information which they're already doing with you know daily news by replacing daily news with you know pundits barking at us yeah. um and you guess know what? Uh, Junior's probably bullying people for other reasons already because the same yeah. kind of dipstick behavior um, that that this kid that the bully exhibited it didn't start with reading Huckleberry Finn, right? 
yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, you know, he's just smart enough to to blame something, trying to deflect, you know, deflect from him from his own stupidity. Well, um, and the idiot adults in his life let him get away with it. Yep. The kid, the kid's gonna do whatever the kid's gonna do to to get to weasel out of what what you know what what the situation that he caused. Yeah, that's that is age appropriate, albeit obnoxious behavior. But the adults should recognize that and say, "Yeah, nice try." Yeah. <laughs> adults should try adulting. Imagine that. There you go. <laughs> and children are not little adults, as much as we'd like to pretend they are. They're not. Yeah, yeah. You know, I am. Yeah. <laughs> Parenting. <laughs> I just, it's not an easy job. Not everybody's good at it. If you're not good at it, admit that and get some help. Exactly. Exactly. So, I will say this, think, though. We don't do a very good job of providing help. You know, if you're somebody who doesn't have parents that you can turn to, you know, where do you get your help? What if you don't so, live in a, you know, don't have a community of people? You know, there are some charities out there that do a good job of that. I happen to know one that you're involved with that does a lot of great things with helping people parent. There is nothing more important in the development of a, of a human being than how that human being is parented right from the start. And so, um, and strong families, I, I don't want, I don't want, I mean, strong daycare is important, but strong families are absolutely critical to the health of any society. This one is no different. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I have dedicated the last many years to, to strengthening families and uh, parenting classes are a big part of that. We do nurturing parenting and then a research-based parenting class called Science of Parenting. That one is focused on zero to five. But both mm-hmm. of our programs are focused zero to five. But the school district has um, parenting classes all the way up to through teenagers. Um, so not so, to be a commercial, but where can people learn more about infant toddler success? So and it's the Dr. Albert Carnegie infant toddler success. Now it's called KITS. We changed their <gasps> name. To honor our founder, Dr. Albert Karnick, mm. and it's for residents of the San Bernardino City Unified School District. You can go to infanttoddlersuccess.org. That's infanttoddlersuccess.org. That's a great place to go and a great place to learn about, uh, you know, raising a child. And, you yeah. know, and the thing is, is, you know, like you said, we, like we were saying initially, it's like ideally you want to have that that village that you can rely on, you know, those other parents or the um, or your parents that you can turn to. But, um, you know, the great thing about organizations like yours is it, it is a gathering place for people too. some, you know, the different programs that you guys put together, uh, allow, you know, moms and dads to, to, um, you know, hang out with other moms and dads and go exactly. like, you know, Hey, when my kid does this, what do you do? You know? Yes. We have, have you ever had your kid do this? You know, <laughs> I came home and you won't believe what I found. You know, and, and, and those kind of conversations are invaluable for new parents to be they able are. to go, can you believe my yes. little, my little turd yes. just did X, Y, Z. And you go, okay. yeah, yeah, they do that. You know, a more experienced parent will go, ah, that happens. Here's what you do. You know? Guess what? Every stage with your first child, every stage, you're a new parent because you've never yeah. parented at that stage. Um, and so, um, uh, it is, it is, you need that support network. And we, I realize that especially as mobile as our, as our society, our globe is, you have to create community around yeah. you. And, and the part of what we do, we don't only have parenting classes, but we also have kids club, which right. is designed to connect um, parents to each other and also to 
to recognize that the school district is an, is an invaluable resource. There's all kinds of programs that the school district pays for to, um, uh, that, that they provide to help parents for mm-hmm. a whole myriad of things from, from, you know, there's a, there's a whole department in, in the San Bernardino City Unified School District focused on homeless students because there are so many of them. And so yeah. all of the resources that they, that they can bring to bear are helpful for families. Now we have a housing yeah. shortage. That's not the district's fault, but you know, yeah, well, and you've got to imagine, too, that there are a lot of, of parents facing things that their parents never faced right now because their parents didn't deal with COVID. And so, you know, yep. the, you, you know, whereas a few years ago, you know, what do I do when I go to the to the mall and my kid flops down on the floor and has a screaming fit like they're being electrocuted, you know, and and, and trust me, two-year-olds can have a tantrum that acts, you would think they were burning, their body was burning from the inside out the way they just come <laughs> apart at the seams. Um, and it's, you know, as a parent, that's incredibly embarrassing. Um, you know, what do you do when your kid just is like acting like they're, they're literally dying on the floor and parent, people are looking at you like, what did you do to that poor child? And you're like, I had nothing. This, this, you know, he doesn't want to be here right now, you yes. know, and, uh, you know, uh, we, uh, you know, you, you watch, you see what other parents do, you, you, you learn, but you know, when you, when you have a, a, a forum where you can at least talk to other parents and go, you know, what do you do nowadays that if that happens, that happens at home. And so it's a different experience and a different learning experience for both the parent and the child, um, yep. You know, because, yeah, now it's happening at home. It's annoying, but it's not nearly as embarrassing as it was. I remember one of my kids doing that in a mall one time, and my wife leaned over and looked at her very calmly and said, when you're done, we'll be over there. And we uh-huh. walked I, away. I did that. I did that and, and as well. We walked away, and and we, we, we were, you know, we were maybe 30 feet away from her, but we walked behind a rack of clothes and, and, and let her just picture fit and and it was funny because within seconds of us like being out of sight we saw her but she couldn't see us where we were uh crying stopped she jumped up on her feet she came after us like where'd you go now suddenly i'm afraid that i was suddenly i'm alone yeah suddenly i'm alone and now i'm afraid you know and it's like yeah yeah you were never alone no need to be afraid quit being such a little turd uh, you know, but you can't always reason with, you know, a, a three-year-old, so, or a two-year-old or, you know. They can't regulate their own emotions. And yeah. they try, you know, imagine how frustrating it is to be three years old and you don't understand the world around you and you have no control over it. And you right. have emotions that you can't really control. And so those emotions get vomited out every single time something gets on your nerves. Yeah. Or you're unhappy about something. I um, remember my older daughter pitching a fit like that one time. And so we were at a restaurant. And so I was almost done. So I just picked her up and took her outside and got her to calm down. And I said, okay, now you seemed like you're doing better. Are you okay? And she kind of nodded. And I said, okay, do you think you can hold it together so we can go back in? And she looked at me and went, I don't think so. And I went, okay, we'll just stay out here. Yeah. A few minutes later, her mom came out and took her, and I went back in and ate my, finished my meal and paid, and we went on home. You know, it's like, oh, okay. So funny. Yeah. It was like, I don't kids, think so. Kids are amazing. Oh, yep. I love them. And I, I, we make the mistake when we think of kids as, as little adults um, mm-hmm. that we make the mistake of expecting behavior that is not appropriate for their age and, right. and, and reactions to things. And, and then we get frustrated because the child didn't meet our expectations. 
the problem isn't right. the child. The problem is the parent, right? Yeah, and yeah. You talk to developmental psychologists, and they just flat out cannot do that. They're, they mentally can't get there at certain ages, you know? Yes. Yes. So, um, you know, you're thinking about the um, people who are out there. A five-year-old is transitioning because they're transgender. A five-year-old is incapable of understanding the disgravity of the decision that they're making. If they want to dress like the other gender for a while, cool. But don't mess with their hormones, you know? Yeah. Let, let them just play around and try things on because they're five and nobody cares. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, let yeah. them, nobody's going to freak out because of whatever, you know? Um, yes, they're not transitioning. They're they're five. They're five. That, they're trying things on. They're having fun. It, they're exploring. They're pretending. They're being five-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if at 18, that's still something they want. Oh, my gosh, I'm being climbed on by my cat. If, if at 18, <laughs> they, they change their mind, well, then they're adults and they can make that decision for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, and, and each step along the way, you, you just have to handle it differently. And that's just, again, part of parenting. And it's not easy. It requires a lot of time and engagement. And there's a lot of emotions on your part, too, because you love yes. this little person who's putting you through the ringer. Uh, you know, as, as a parent, uh, nobody said parenting would be easy. Um, no. You know, it's 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 hard work, but it's incredibly rewarding work as well. So it is, it is, it is. Oh, my cat! You, okay, my cat drools. He's drooling. <laughs> well, he's old and he's lost some teeth, so now he drools. Yeah, he's so happy to see you that he's mouth waters. <laughs> he's like, oh, I love my mama. Love my mama. Wow. 75 inch Samsung TV is on sale right now for, uh, uh, let's see, a Samsung QLED. So this is not just their basic one. This is one of their top of the line televisions for under $1,500, which is, doesn't sound amazing compared to some of the prices, but, uh, understand that this is a 75 inch TV. So it's, it's, it's basically a wall and it, uh, the QLED has, uh, like most, most LED screens are backlit, uh, with LEDs along one edge. This has smaller LEDs that are less bright all over the back behind the screen. And in areas that are supposed to be black, it actually turns the LEDs off so that the blacks are much blacker. And because it's directly behind the screen, Excuse me, the brights are much brighter, so you get that HDR high dynamic range of darker darks and brighter brights. Um, heck of a good TV. Um, HDR10, not the uh, the Dolby Vision. Um, for those who aren't aware, too, we talk about, I've talked about HDR. HDR means high dynamic range, which means, you know, more, greater contrast, brighter brights, darker darks, things like that. Um, there's a couple standards HDR10 and HDR10 Plus. And then Dolby Vision. Dolby Vision is kind of the gold standard, but a lot of companies don't want to pay Dolby Labs a fee to use their standard. So HDR10 Plus is sort of like the the open source version of that. Um, very often, whatever your source material is, it'll get translated on the fly within your television set because realize your television set has a computer in it now. Yes. Um, and so um, uh, usually that's not something you necessarily have to worry about. But if you want uh, the TV that's going to give you the best, like, quick reaction time, response time, um, then uh, 
you get one that is supports all the standards, and that way it doesn't have to do the translation. It, it just supports them natively. But you do pay a little bit more because they have to pay a fee to Dolby for that one. So. so, really quickly, apparently Georgia officials are pushing back uh, because community organizers in California have been encouraging people to move to Georgia so they can vote in the Senate runoff. And the, um, the Georgia uh, governor has, come, has put out Georgia's new slogan might just be don't come here you're not welcome so, <laughs> welcome to Georgia please go home yeah yeah you're yeah exactly and I and I, it, that to me is just that's just voter fraud as far as <laughs> welcome to Georgia we'll vote fine without you yeah exactly <laughs> but moving to a state just so that you can vote you know is oh my god yeah well if you're wealthy enough to buy a house in in the in you don't have to buy the, a house. You need a PO box, right? Well, or that's you, um, you know. I don't know. I think you actually have to show that you. Well, I, you know, I, honestly, every state has their own rules. I don't know. I don't know what kind of residency requirements there are in in Georgia versus California versus I don't even know what they are in California. Quite frankly, you know, um, do you have to have a, a mailing address or do you have to? I mean, I guess you could rent an apartment for for a month and uh, and say I'm good. You know, I'll be here. When they do the 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 uh, runoff votes in December is when they're going to do it. Yeah, yeah I don't know. December. And it's and it's Andrew Yang who's encouraging people to do it. Um, he says that he and his wife are moving to Georgia to help uh, help their Georgia go, help the Democrat win. And he said that's the only only chance to clear Mitch out of the way and help Joe and Kamala get things done in the next four years. Seems a little on the unethical side, doesn't it? Shouldn't we just let oh, the people who live in Georgia actually do the right thing by themselves without having to uh, try to stack about, the deck? How about letting them choose their own representation? Does he even care about Georgia? Does he know anything about Georgia? I mean, I understand yeah. that he has the right to do it, but I think it's scummy. I think it's really scummy. Yeah. If I were a Georgian, I would be uh, just furious at that. I, I would I would say let's um, let's throw uh andrew yang in jail that's the that's the um the thing i'd want to put on the ballot yeah yep if andrew so young visits our state let's let's toss him in the pokey yeah <laughs> that's just it's just disgusting it's just disgusting he's not the only one um, yeah uh, thomas friedman said in, has seen in an interview that he's that he hopes everyone moves to georgia in the next month or two registers to vote and votes for these two democratic senators that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. So, I have, no bueno. I have to bow okay. So you bow and and uh, thank you all for joining us. We appreciate your listenership. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Aaron Brinker. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.